0: Amen. Guys, would you grab a Bible and make your way to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. On Sunday mornings, we are journeying through the book of 2nd Corinthians, verse by verse. Uh, we pick it up this morning where we left off last week. In fact, we're finishing up chapter two this morning, and so excited for God to be able to meet us in that space, longing that you'll be there as well. So, again, hopefully you got a Bible, you've made your way there. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in front of you and the chairs in front of you, page number on the screen, you can get there immediately. There's also you can use a church app, I mean use a Bible app if you're wanting to do that and follow along. But one way or another, we are longing and just encouraging. Have a Bible. Be following along so that God would speak to you through the authority of His Word, through the power of His Word, and just the effectiveness that comes from His Word. So longing that you're there with us. That's true for us here, but if you're in the overflow or online, it is just the same invitation right now, inviting you to have a Bible and join us this morning in the Word of God for what God has in store for us. That's where we want to journey. And so as we're heading there, let's take a moment and pray. Let's ask that God would speak to us, that he would give us ears to hear what he would say to us, that that would be effective upon our lives this morning in just a genuine way. And so let's ask him for that together right now. Father, we thank you for the space. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given it to us and it's true. We thank you for the power, the authority, and just the work of your word. Lord, here we are, and I'm just asking that you would meet each one of us right now. And right where we are, you would open up our understanding, you would open up our hearts, and that, Lord, your word would just be at work inside of us in real ways, transforming ways that just work inside of who we are, that transform change and just draw us to you. Thank you that your word does that. I long for that today for each of us here. God, would you do that? Would you speak to us, each of us here now, for your honor, for your glory, for your purpose, for what you have? Lord, we seek that right now as we lay this morning in our lives into your good and tender and just perfect work. We ask for that now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The sense of smell, aroma, That kind of reality is an amazing reality. Oh, it's a little bit where we're going to go this morning. As I was thinking that through, I had begun just, you know, looking at different things and I found, you know, some of those lists that people make, like the top 10 smells in the world. Now, I don't know what that list would look like for you, but on those who kind of been surveyed across of our world, number one on the list of of a smell or a scent is vanilla, Hey, true story, true story, actually, that's, that's what they say, just across our world, it is the most popular of, of all scents, in fact, those who did it in a number of surveys, they said the most popular smell in the world is vanilla, and the least popular is stinky feet, true story, and just, that's just what they came out with, it's just, I'm just not my, I'm just telling you what they said, and so, but in the list of top 10, you would obviously get things like coffee, and barbecues, and campfires, and rain, bacon. Uh, melted chocolate, freshly cut grass, popcorn, freshly baked bread. And I just know this, even as I'm just kind of saying this, some of you are like, huh, now I'm hungry. You know, it's like, I just, I just, I mean, just even the thought of those smells can, can be an a, amazing reality. Now, again, it's an interesting list and I don't know uh, if you look at that list and you say, hey, that'd be, that'd be my list. That's the same list I would make. That's uh, where you were. Or maybe you'd say, eh, my list would be a little bit different. Here's what I know. Like if they lived in New Mexico somewhere in there has to be roasted green chili. I mean like that's just got to be somewhere in that top 10 kind of category if not right at the top of it. And so hey we look on all of that and yet in the midst of that I want to just draw us to think about this. This amazing sense that God has given us, he's created in us, the sense of smell and kind of even where it goes and some of that which he wants to speak to us in that. But before I do this I just want to pause in a very loving way and Kind way and yet a a real way. Just say, "Hey, I recognize for some of you, this is almost going to feel like I'm pouring salt in a wound because your your sense of smell is not working right now." I mean, maybe it's off for a lot of different reasons. Lots of reasons that can happen. I know for some of you, it was this whole COVID thing in the last two years. We actually have some in our fellowship that they still don't smell right. Some there's a couple in our fellowship. They're like, "Man, everything is still you know juxtaposed. Things don't smell like they used to smell." We have a few that have no sense of smell still. And hey, we're sorry. We love you. Hey, we're gonna pray even today that God would heal that and yet just understand this, even for those who are in that space, um, I think you can still go towards this because you, you would understand that's a broken space but it's not what God created. God designed this amazing ability to 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 smell is one of our our five senses that can help us just appreciate that which is around us, and it's an amazing thing. As I was kind of just doing, again, some study in the midst of what God made in this, kind of just interesting facts that may or may not be uh, interesting or helpful for you, I mean, it's an amazing thing that people can detect at least one trillion distinct scents, and it's kind of amazing. I mean, like, in other words, we have the ability to smell so many things, I mean, one trillion distinct abilities to kind of gaze into this and smell different things. I mean, that's an amazing reality to step towards. In the midst of that, the sense of smell or the scent cells are actually renewed every 30 to 60 days. It's one of the most renewing kind of spaces within our body. So there's hope for some here. We're just praying even for that again, that God would work in the midst of that because it's a pretty incredible thing. In the midst of that, it's one of the interesting things they've found out is that you can actually even smell like fear and disgust. I mean, as they kind of, you know, kind of tested these things blindfolded, I mean, you can actually, it actually is an aroma. I mean, there actually is a way to smell and appreciate even the, the things that are happening around you. In the midst of that, it's worth even just noting, hey, women do have a better sense of smell than men. I mean, it's factual, it's scientific, and some of you just, that's just going to be encouraging because I don't know if you're like there, you're like, hey, did you smell that? It's like, no, I didn't smell it. You know, it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, hey, there is really, sometimes ladies, you really do have a better sense of smell. In the midst of that, one of the interesting things is that actually every single one of you have a unique smell. That those who kind of look at this whole thing, every human being has their own distinct. Odor, different than anybody else, is part of kind of who you are, which is kind of fascinating all by itself, and helps us again to kind of gaze towards this amazing thing that God has created, this sense of smell that is one of the ways in which we interact with our world, that opens up so many things, that connects to even where our brain kind of remembers things, that smell unlocks so much of, of our understanding of the world around us, and yet we gaze at all of that and this morning we want to think about a specific aroma or a specific fragrance, and that's the fragrance of Christ. Hey, why don't you notice it? You have your Bibles open there to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, excuse me, chapter 2. And let's pick up there in verse 14. We covered the first half of this last week, but again, just for a little bit of context, it says, now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. The aroma, the the fragrance of Christ, that's where he is going to draw us to see, and again, where we're being invited to think through this aspect of, of how that works inside of us, and it's worth, again, just beginning with the definition he gives. He says, we are, there in verse 15, we are to God the fragrance of Christ, That's a good definition for us even to walk away around, but before we talk about exactly what that is, we probably need to very quickly uh, remind us of what we talked about last week, that this fragrance is found in what he talks about as the triumph of Christ. That's back in verse 14, again, just noticing it. It says, "'Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ.'" and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So we spent all week on this last week. There's no way to fully unpack that. And so if you missed this, you might want to go back and, you know, see that or watch it online or find a way to to hear that study. Uh, But just as a quick reminder, he draws us into this incredible image and this reality that's known as the Triumph of Christ. It's more than just saying that Jesus is victorious. A triumph in the Roman world was a celebration. A Roman triumph was something that was given to a general, a commander of a Roman army, after they had won, uh, you know, a, 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 just a huge victory for Rome in a foreign soil, won territory, and just had, had done that. So when a Roman general really kind of hit that high space, they were entitled to a Roman triumph kind of like, well, maybe we might say a ticker tape parade, although a ticker tape parade doesn't even come close uh, to what a Roman triumph was, but it was a parade, a celebration that would take place uh, in honor of that general. So many things went into it that we talked about last week, and so you'd have this uh, parade, this triumph, you'd have music and, 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 and people inviting and, and celebrations, and at the very early space of that Roman triumph, you would have that general riding in a golden chariot a golden chariot that was beautiful and resilient and sparkling and in one sense kind of just sounds kind of just celebrating what he had accomplished and what he had done, and then following that Roman chariot, you would begin to have those who were kind of pushing out this incense, this fragrance, this cloud of incense that would follow uh, the Roman general. In that following procession would be the the soldiers that fought with him, would be uh, the spoils that he won, and even the, the enemy soldiers that he conquered. There would be a very long parade of all of this. But one of the things that's important for us this morning is through all of that, there is this cloud of incense that they would continually kind of stoke up along the whole way of that Roman procession. And it was meant to be almost visual. I mean, that you're almost looking at it, that you see this chariot going by, and there's this cloud that overshadows everything else that basically is saying it's because of... This general and what he did, that all of this now is there, that all of this is that. And so it's a beautiful and incredible picture, which again, if you missed any of that, you can go back and and see it, what we talked about last week. But it's important to catch it because, in one sense, for us, he's telling us we're that. We're the fragrance. We're the cloud of incense. We're the thing that is because he is one because of his victory, now we are that that is pointing out that reality. So as we step towards that, again, he invites us to understand what we are. So once more, he gives us that definition in verse 15. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. We are to God the fragrance of Christ. Don't miss this. May it rain over everything else we say this morning. Whatever this is, whatever this aroma, this fragrance of Christ is, its primary just space of being a fragrance, being an aroma, is that it's a fragrance for God, that it's a fragrance that's pleasing to him, that it's a fragrance that when we think about what it is, it's as if it's rising first and foremost for his pleasure, for his honor, for his celebration, that it really is first and foremost that. It will be more things, but it only flows when it really is for that. Think about it this way in Ephesians 5. It would speak about it and say, you know, walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. It says Christ has given himself for us. He has given himself, you know, out of love for us. His love for God so loved the world he gave. And Christ so loved, he surrendered himself, you know, to this as a sacrifice, an offering to God. And it's a sweet-smelling aroma. And it kind of builds on this picture that is found all the way through the Old Testament, the sacrificial system that was meant to be that, that the offerings were meant to be pleasing to God, that it was something that was supposed to bring, you know, His pleasure, His honor. And so there's a sense that says, hey, Christ is that first and foremost, that there is this offering, this sweet-smelling sacrifice that is that, that is happening in and upon us. That that is what you and I get to celebrate and get to step towards that we are. Wow. As we begin to process that, understand this fragrance that we are to God of Christ, this fragrance that He works in us and on us, one of the amazing things is that it's always there. Hey, back up there to verse 14 and notice how he says it. Now, like right now, thanks be to God who always, just kind of own into that for a second, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Always, every. Always, every, yeah, that's all the time. One of the things we want to think through, and this is a little bit where we ended last week, is that this is not just about our good days. See, if you hear me wrong this morning, you're going to think, hey, this is talking about that space where Christians are nice, and they just kind of are are pleasing, we kind of like it, and you would miss the reality that it's so much bigger than that. This is equally true on our bad days. On our bad days, well, yeah, you know what I mean, right? I mean, yeah, I know you guys are second service, so this is first service, you know. They're actually struggling with this, but just in case one of them are hearing even now, I thought I would repeat it that way. No, I'm just kidding. I told them it was you in the first, but that's just. um, You ever have a bad day? You know, the kind of thing where you just wake up and you're grumpy? Like, you're just grumpy, and and you don't feel like talking to anybody, and, and you know, people trying to talk to you, and you're like, eh. You know, just like, I, don't, I don't feel like talking. I don't feel like being nice. I don't feel like being, I mean, maybe you don't. I mean, but, but I have those days every now and then and just kind of processing them through. The reality is, is that we think about this aroma of Christ. It is equally true on those bad days as it is on those good days, because there is a sense that, that God would look upon us. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you have believed upon him and you're saved all the time, now, it's as if God would look at you and he would smell Jesus. He would look upon you and say, I smell my son on you. I smell my son on you. The aroma of Christ is rising around your life and from your life, not just on those good spaces, but on the days that are difficult. Now, I find myself thinking about it, and maybe it's just a silly image that works in my mind, but in Peter, it tells us that angels are interested in our salvation. It says, you know, that those who have been preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit that was sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. It's a pretty incredible little moment. It says that in one sense, if you believed upon Jesus and the gospel was heard by you, angels sometimes look at you and just go, Wow. That's crazy. I mean, they, they, they find themselves gazing upon us in wonder and, and looking upon those things. And so I am probably extrapolating this in a way that isn't true, but it works in my small brain. So if it's helpful, I imagine it this way. I imagine every day, every now and then on one of those days, maybe it's on one of those grumpy days, on one of those bad days, and the angels are looking and they're like, huh, him? And God would be like, yeah, him. I smell my son on him you know, I I smell my son on him. I mean, it's not about him. It's not about who he is. It's not about what he's doing. It's not about what he's earning. It's about what my son has done for him. And and, and there's a sense that always, always there's a, a space where that is rising from our lives in a way that brings honor and glory to him. And he is doing that in every space that we walk through. Once more, that's a little bit where we landed last week, and we were talking about this you know, moving and triumph in Christ, a little bit about what we just sung. We were saying, you know, hey, we're fighting a battle. He's already won. I mean, he's already won. Jesus paid the full price. So for us, we actually know how the story ends. We know where life is going. And so our life is lived in this wonderful place that we already have the victory. And yet, now we're just going through the motions so that we get to walk in this space and so that not only do we know where the future is going to go, but even into these spaces, He's working everything together for good. So we talked about that verse last week that, well, familiar to many of us, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose only true for Christians, those who are the called, those who love God, who are His. So this isn't true if you're not a follower of Jesus. But if you are a follower of Jesus, everything is working together for good. The good days and the bad. The the spaces that you're really enjoying and the spaces that you're not. And not only is He working that all together for good, there's this fragrance. There's this aroma that's rising from our lives always in every place. And there's something about just knowing that. Once more, if you get it, if you weren't here last week, go back and get it. But the context of this is that Paul's life is under a little bit of judgment. Uh, people have been critiquing his choices, whether he made good choices or bad choices, the decisions that he made. And he's trying to answer that a little bit, like, why did I do what I did? Why did I make the choices I made? And as he's explaining that kind of answer, he just pauses in the midst of it, And takes us to this, that there's one sense that's almost just saying, you know, here's what I know, no matter what, no matter what, off of my life and off of our lives, there's this fragrance of Christ. There's this aroma that is because of who Jesus is, because he's one, because he has accomplished this or what we said in the hymn just a moment ago. It's well with my soul. It, I, it's good. For, I mean, I'm doing fine because of him. And, and, and that reality that we get to step into becomes an amazing place. So we are that. We are that. Whether you believe it, whether you feel it, whether you recognize it, or whether you don't, if you're a follower of Jesus, God smells his Son on you. God, God, God finds the aroma of Christ rising from your life, and it's pleasing to him it is pleasing to him it is pleasing to him now because christ has died for you and, and paid you the price for your sins and there's a sense of this aroma that is rising even now bringing him honor pleasure and and, and joy you know kind of that space because that's what smell does sometimes right i mean when it's a good smell not a bad smell but a good smell i mean for some of you it's happened this week right I mean, we have flowers blooming around our town. Some of you have rose bushes kind of thing, and you just maybe you even walked by one this week and just like, wow, that's a good smell. That just smells good. That's what we are to our, to our God. It's a scent and an aroma of Christ. Well, that's its main thing. That's the, the high purpose of it. And we are that, that fragrance of Christ. We are that there in verse 15. We are to God the fragrance of Christ. But other people can smell it too, but other people can smell that as well, and so he says it to us this way, we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. Let's talk about that fragrance of life for a moment. He says, here's the thing. We have this aroma of Christ. And for those who are saved, those who are followers of Jesus, for those who are being saved, it's as if they can catch that aroma and it's life leading to life. That there's something about this that becomes amazing. And in one sense, it almost puts to words Something that has happened to many of us. I don't want to say it's happened to all of us. That would probably, you know, maybe be pressing it in a way that is not true, but for most of it it has happened, right? Some place that you can almost smell a Christian. You know what I mean by that, right? I mean, have you ever been there? Like you're there, and maybe you're in a city you've never been in before, or maybe you have somebody who's, you know, waiting your table, and you're kind of talking to them, and 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 in one sense, you almost just find yourself just, I wonder if they're a Christian. I mean, just there's just something about, you know, our interactions, that, and, and maybe you have gotten bold enough to even ask. You're like, are you a follower of Jesus? And they're like, yeah, how'd you know? And you can almost tell, I smelled you. <laughs> you know, I, I smelled Christ on you. I mean, I just was around you, and there was something, and it's like, I, I, I there was something in you. I mean, just, I could tell. I mean, I could just tell who you were. I could, I, could, I could get something out of it. And it's this beautiful space that is meant to be a place that is permeating and, and drawing. Now, I think about that idea of being that aroma of Christ that others can see. And I, I find myself thinking of that account that's given to us about Mary. In John, it tells us that Mary took a pound of very costly oil, of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and it simply says, then the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. It's a good picture for me, and if it works for anybody else, I just want you to think about it for a moment. Here's this place where Mary comes, Mary of Bethany, who you know, has known Jesus, and she knows he's going to go to the cross. And she brings this alabaster jar, and she breaks it, and she pours it on Jesus. And it's this beautiful fragrance, and Jesus said, she's done it for me. It's, it's something that she's accomplished, and yet I just love this picture that that fragrance just fills the room. There's just something about that. There's something about what that looks like, and I just want to tell you, sometimes that's exactly what happens. I mean, there's meant to be a sense that for us who are followers of Jesus, there's the aroma of Christ, and sometimes it does exactly this. Again, I don't want to make this too weird or, uh, you know, in, in a way that wouldn't make it just kind of land for you, but I honestly think sometimes, you know, when, it, when there's, it can be a place where a Christian enters the room and the atmosphere is changed. I mean, it's almost as if they, you know, you come into that and if you're, especially if you're, you know, if it's going well and, you're, and, and Christ is just so present, it's, it's as if wow, like the fragrance just filled the room. I mean, just this person who's living that way, there is that. And that's exactly what he's telling us. He says, you know, we are life to life, that there's a sense that someone's there, that they can see it. And it's almost as if it encourages that and builds that. And it's supposed to be so, but it's not just in that sense of encouragement. There is a sense of evangelism. There is a sense that as this fragrance of Christ is happening, it's meant to be that which would be drawing people to Christ. In fact, I like the way it's even defined there again. You see it in verse 15. It says, we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. Now, without getting too technical, that's a good definition actually for all Christians that we are that, but it's also a reminder that there is a sense that there are people who are going to get saved, who are being saved. And, and one of the things that works is the aroma of Christ around us becomes enticing. It, it becomes a place where they find themselves, you know, sensing and, and knowing that, that kind of place where they're there and, and, they, and they just kind of like, what is it about you? And, and there is an aroma of Christ that would be drawing. In fact, I want to say it just simply this way. If this is you, if you're here this morning and you're not yet a Christian, and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I hope you can smell it. I mean, not literally, obviously, there's not really a, a physical aroma, but there is a spiritual one even in this space. And I hope right now you're here and you're just like, man, what do these people have that I don't have? I mean, there's just something. I mean, there's just something that, that, that's there. I can, I can almost feel it. I can almost smell it. There, there's something different. And I want to tell you, yes, there is. It's Christ. It's what Christ has done for us. It's because we have a Savior that died for our sins and rose again, and we are hoping that that aroma is drawing you to Christ, where you're like, man, I want that. I I, I want what you have. May it be today that if that's you, you would find it, that today God would draw you to him. It is certainly our prayer and exhortation even now. Now, with that exhortation, I want to just come back and speak to you and I who know Jesus that there ought to be a sense that we are those who are pointing to Christ in this. That as that aroma is kind of wafting around our soul and another smell of that, it should be a space that we very intentionally point to Jesus. I like the way it's given to us in Peter. It simply says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Hey, this is a great verse. Sometimes people take this, the idea that we ought to be able to give an apologetic answer, a reasonable answer for our faith. And you know what? That's a good space. You should be able to do that. And we should grow in that. That's a good thing. But it's not honestly what this verse is saying. Saying, here's the deal if you're a follower of Jesus, you have hope. You have hope, because we're fighting a battle that's already been won. We're living a life that the outcome is certain for us, and there's a hope that just is inside of our lives. There's a hope that's there, and so what Peter is telling us is when somebody asks you, what is that smell? (laughs) What is that thing about you? I mean, you just seem to be handling life better. Like, uh, you, you seem to have hope, and I don't seem to have that. What is that? And Peter says, you should be ready to tell him it's Jesus. I just want to tell you right now, it's not me. It's not that I'm smart. It's not that I'm capable. It's, it's a sense that it is Christ. And if you smell Christ, if you smell hope in my life, understand that hope is the triumph of Christ. That is his victory. That is what he has done. And he says, hey, you should be ready to tell people about that, ready to do that. Now, we're going to come back and talk about that more in a moment, but I just give it to you here and saying, hey, that's what God is doing. And it's one of the beautiful things about this fragrance of Christ, this space where we are that and and people would be that, and it's meant to be a space of life leading to life. It's good news, right? I mean, it's a good part of it, but the other side of it is equally there. You saw it, but just reading it, verse 15. I'm sorry, yeah, verse 15. Uh, It says, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, good news, and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life to life, or life leading to life. Yet we are an aroma of death for those who are perishing. The Bible tells us that's who the people who don't know Jesus, that's who you are. That God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish. But if you don't believe in him, you're perishing. You're dying. And if you are rejecting Jesus, the interesting things about this aroma is it's not a pleasing aroma. And it's one of those kind of funny things about aromas, right? I mean, some of you have this, uh, even in your family, like maybe you and your spouse, you, your, your, your sense of smell is different. And then of you like, man, I love this smell. And your spouse is like, I hate that smell. Like, ah, you, it might smell good to you. It doesn't smell good to me. I mean, and that's kind of a real thing sometimes in this sense of smell. But one of the things spiritually is to those who are perishing, that aroma of Christ is not a pleasing smell. It stinks, and it causes us in that sense to be a, uh, kind of those in the midst of this. He says, hey, this aroma is death to those who don't know Jesus. It is speaking death to them, and so one of the reminders in this whole thing is that should not surprise us. Now, maybe it doesn't. Maybe you already know this. Maybe you know it in a number of different ways, but if not, sometimes it can be surprising. The kind of thing that, as a follower of Jesus, you find people offended at you, and you haven't even done anything yet. You know, it's like I didn't even do anything to make them offended. It's like I don't know why. I just I just somehow I'm around them and they just they're agitated with me, they're they're irritated with me. And it's like, what did I do? I don't even know what I did. Sometimes it's that aroma of Christ. It gives it to us this way in First Corinthians. It says, We preach Christ crucified. To the Jews it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it's foolishness. Speaking to them both just very specifically in those cultures, but we could almost say that in all of culture, kind of religious and, and, and the worldly kind of culture in that sense, he says, those who are perishing, they look upon us and they just look as they say, hey, you're dumb. I mean, you're, you're offensive to me. What you are is foolishness to me. Or it's a stumbling block. Like it trips me up. It, it is a stumbling block that would move and, and, and cause me in so many ways to feel that offense. In fact, in First Peter, it gives it to us this way. To those who are disobedient, that is rejecting, not believing in God, not believing in Christ. That it, Christ becomes a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. It, it, it stumbles them, it trips them up, and it offends them. They feel offended at, at the very reality of Christ. And so, what Paul's telling you, it is that. I mean, there is this aroma of Christ, and yes, it's, it's drawing, it's, it's this wafting. And yeah, for people who are coming to Christ and those who are saved, it's a pleasing smell, but for those who don't, it's an offensive smell. And there's just a reality to that, not in any one sense that we would say, well, that's great. I just want to, I want to do that. But no, it is that. And yet sometimes it's just helpful to understand, hey, Christ is that. Christ is an offense for those who are rejecting him. And that reality is at work in us as this fragrance of Christ, this aroma of Christ is upon our lives. Well, we process that, we're thinking it through, and Paul then asks a question, which I actually haven't read yet. I've stopped you each moment right before we read it, but let's go back and see it. just going to read for the context, beginning in verse 15, 15, for we are to God, the fragrance of Christ, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death to death, to the other, the aroma of life to life. And who is sufficient for such things? Hey, it's a really good question. He just looks on and says, who's enough for that? Who's sufficient for that? Like, we think about what this is and, and, and who could actually even accomplish that. Now, it's kind of an unanswered question, though, even in answering the question, the answer is kind of present right there. But actually, he goes on and brings it back up on a few other verses later. So just gaze down with me for a moment uh, in chapter 3. Go to verse 4, it says, and we have such a trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient. And Paul asks, who's sufficient? Paul says, it's not us, like we're not sufficient of ourselves to think that anything is being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Simply put, who's sufficient, not you and I. It's only God. I mean, it's only God, and that should be both so clearly understood, but also just so wonderfully said right now. It actually began it this way, right? You go back to verse 14 and it begins by saying, Now, thanks be to God. God's amazing. He is He is doing this. He is the one that in Christ. Has triumphed. He is the, you know, the one that God has triumphed, and we're in this this triumph of Christ. And now, off of us and in our lives, there's this aroma of Christ all the time, on our good days and on our bad days. Uh, and when we feel it, and when we don't, it's drawing people who do, who, who know Him. It's it's offending those who don't. Who could actually ever do that? It's not us. We are not sufficient. He is, and He is doing this. I mean, He is absolutely doing this. If you're a follower of Jesus, can I just speak very clearly to you and tell you everything we just said is 100% true in your life? Like, it is so true. I mean, you're not enough. I'm not enough for it, but He is actually doing this. Your life right now is a fragrance of Christ that right now God would look at you and say, I smell my son. I smell my son. The fragrance of Christ is rising from your life, and I, and I smell it, and it's happening right now. Whether, I mean, maybe you feel it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, I don't feel it today. I don't feel, I don't feel very lovable. I don't feel like I, but you are. And you would look at this and say, God, you are amazing. God, you're glorious. God, you have done more than we could ever imagine. And he certainly has. So everything right now is true, whether you recognize it or don't, whether you participate or not. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is there. There's an aroma of Christ over and on our lives as followers of Jesus. And that's amazing. And it's pleasing to God. And it's working but there is a part that you and I now are meant to respond to that. Nothing really is that. We've kind of just talked about it, that it exists. We've talked a little bit about it, but ultimately everything that we just saw is true. We are a fragrance of of God to Christ. It is all the time happening, life to life, death to death. God is doing that. All of that is true, but then he gives us some actually practical application. Like, what do we do with that? Like, how do we even respond to this? Like, how do we even kind of process this out? Well, that's what he gives us in verse 17. Notice it with me. For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. So, he gives us some actionable steps here. Now, it's a powerful verse, and sometimes you could almost read this verse out of its context and you probably still get some good stuff out of it. But if you miss it, you would miss, hey, it really is given to us in this context. So, what is he saying? Well, I'll kind of phrase it this way, and then we'll seek to unpack it. There's a sense that he's telling us to like stoke that smell up. Like, okay, you know, if, if you are the fragrance of Christ, then be the fragrance of Christ. Like, let it be actively what you are seeking to say, man, I want, I just want to like, if the, you know, if this is like incense, I want to kind of pour it on. I want to, you know, let the the, the cloud rise. I want it to rise from my life and in my life in a way that only is more in that sense, just impacting in this fragrance of Christ. And so he gives us four things four things in this verse that become actionable steps, places where you and I get to respond to this, and I want you just to notice them. It begins in the first one by saying, for we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God. We are not, as so many, peddling the word of God. It's an interesting and terrible description at the same moment. Now, I just got to be honest with you. If I were to take this verse out of its context, um, and I were just to see it and think what I'd talk about, my mind could so easily go down a rabbit trail that's not an untrue rabbit trail, that we could talk about, hey, sometimes ministry does become this. Sometimes people who serve Jesus, they begin to peddle them. They begin to make merchandise of him. They begin to make money off of him. Uh, They do it for all the wrong reasons. They do it for their own selfish gain. They do it for their own spaces. And we could look through church history and just say, hey, sin is that ugly? And sometimes it even happens in the church. I could take you to Philippians where Paul talks about this. and He says, hey, some people preach Christ for all the wrong reasons. They do it for selfish ambition. They do it for for envy and jealousy. He says, what do I say to these things? Well, Christ be glorified. I mean, the gospel's going out. I'm gonna be excited that God uses us in spite of us, and thankfully, he does. He'll go on in Philippians and say, hey, don't let that be the way you do it. So that would be a good kind of step. I mean, again, if I were just taking this verse and saying, hey, maybe this is talking about that, it would be good in that application. It would be good for us to process this, but I need to come back and say, as that is true biblically, it's not actually what this verse is about. Because the context, we're not talking about church, we're not talking about uh, ministry, we're not talking about church staff, uh, we're talking about all of us. He has just told you and told me, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the fragrance of God. You are the fragrance of Christ, excuse me, to God. We are that, that aroma of him. And so it's in that frame of, of reference, he is calling us not to peddle that aroma, not to, to paddle that aroma. What does that mean? What do it even mean to peddle? Well, that word, that Greek word used for peddle has the idea of to corrupt for your own personal gain, to, to take something and then use it to, for your own glory, for your own uh, kind of enrichment. It was actually a word that was most often found in Greek culture uh, used in the, the market. And so it would be people, you know, selling things, selling, uh, whether it be spices or oil or wine or something. And to peddle something would mean that you would, uh, you know, begin to, uh, you know, maybe you would take spices and, you know, you'd throw in some sand or something like that to make it go bigger so you could sell more. You'd take wine and you would kind of mix it with water and tell people, hey, it's unmixed, you know, so that you could make more money off of it, uh, that you could somehow, you know, selfishly gain off of something for your own, and yet it's deceptive. It is that place where you are misusing and misrepresenting something, but doing it for you. Well, we process that through, and maybe in the most simple way, the idea here is about glory. The real idea is about stealing God's glory for us. The idea is that in one sense, if we are the aroma of Christ to God, and that's how that's supposed to work, if we take credit for it, if we pour it upon us, there's a sense of us stealing that. There's a sense of us robbing that of its intention. There's a sense of us doing that. Now, I, I think about it this way. For example, in 1 Corinthians, when Paul is talking about how God uses us, and he uses people, and he talks about how he uses the weak and the foolish, and he uses people who have nothing, and he ends it with an explanation. He says that no flesh... Should glory in his presence. Like it's impossible. Like there's no, I mean, if we're talking about being pleasing to God, an aroma and a scent that is pleasing to God, he says, Your flesh will never be. Like there's never going to be a space that we get to heaven and God's going to go, Man, I'm really so thankful that you helped me out. You know, so, I mean, you know, just Christ did a little bit, but boy, you did some stuff too. Like, you're, you're, your flesh really is like, hey, there's no flesh to this. There's no space that we would look and say, hey, look at me. Look at what I have accomplished. There's no place for this. He goes on to say, but of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. He says, it's all God. I mean, He's done the whole thing so that we are righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So if there's any glory, it's all God's. It's all His. I mean, He gets all that glory. It's all about Him. It's all what He has accomplished. It's all about that in that sense. And so there is a sense, when we think about this, to paddle God's glory is in that sense, instead of giving Him that honor and glory, we begin again to take it upon ourselves. So the point is that we're supposed to be pointing to him, glorifying him. Maybe it's just easiest to go back to the verse that we were talking about a moment ago, where it simply says it this way. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Again, just kind of pause there and catch that first phrase. Hey, God is holy. Sanctify him in your heart. Make it so that it's really, you, you see him and his amazing, his glory. Make that just true in your heart so you know who he is, that you see who he is, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So Peter says, here's this thing, there's an aroma of Christ rising out of your life and people are going to notice. And when they notice, don't take credit for it. Don't take credit for it. Don't, don't be that space where companies be like, man, why, why, why are you so hopeful? Why is it that you seem to handle life pretty well? Well, you know, I am a pretty good guy, actually. Uh, You know, I work pretty hard at it. You know, honestly, if you knew more about me, I mean, I'm just, you know, know, I'm so glad you noticed how good I am. I thought I would just kind of tell you I really am good. And I mean, that's the idea. I mean, is this somehow you you would say, hey, well, you know, it really is me. And there's this space that we have a propensity to do that in Christ, that people are smelling Jesus and we begin to talk about us. Well, yeah, I am pretty good. You know, I do. I, I, mean, I read my Bible a lot and I pray a lot, yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing, actually, you know and, and instead of being like, "No, my, my Jesus is amazing. My Jesus is amazing. I mean, if you smell anything, if there's something good there, I want to tell you there's nothing I have that Christ hasn't done in me. I mean, if there's good fruit in my life, it only came about because of him. If there's good that you're smelling, I just want to make sure that I 'm going to respond and tell you it's Christ. It is Jesus. It is Jesus that is everything to me. I mean, he's my life. He's my hope. He's my, I mean, if I have hope, and I do have hope, it's not me. It's not because I, well, I, I actually have hope that I'm going to figure it all out. That's <laughs> not my hope. My hope is that he has, and that Christ is already won. He has already died on the cross, paid the whole price for my sin. He has won. My eternity is in him, and I have that, but it's not me. It's Christ. And so what Peter is telling us is to make sure you're ready for that. And the way you do that is that you, that's, you're, you're sanctifying him in your heart. You're making sure that you're not going to rob God of that, and so you're ready for it. Like, you're expecting it. You're expecting that moment that somebody is going to ask, and you're going to do it with a meekness that is like, hey, you know, <laughs> and, and, and this fear of God, and you're just going to say, I'm so glad you asked. Can I tell you about my Jesus? Can I tell you what Jesus is to me? That's that, I mean, if there's something that you, if you sense I have hope, I certainly do. But it isn't me that you smell. It isn't, it's not my aroma. It is his aroma. It, It is what he is. And there's a beautiful space to it. So when he's telling us this, he's just inviting us to not do that, to not do that. And yet it's terrible and yet helpful, even in its invitation because he says that we are not as so many. Peddling the word of God. The sad reality is that, yeah, it happens sometimes. People, you know, God's people, sometimes they just do. And Paul says, that's not what we want to do. I don't want to peddle this. I don't want to make it about me. I don't want to steal God's glory and then try to pour it upon me as if somebody would be really proud. That's not it. It's Christ. The glory is all his. And so I want to do my very best not to do that. So when he says not to peddle that, that's it. Don't corrupt it for your own personal gain or glory. Don't, don't take the aroma that is there and then try to take credit for it. Don't do something that would kind of rob that very intentionally, become one that would just say, Hey, I want to be one who's, it, that it, it is happening, but my voice is just matching that. So, that is, you know, people smell that. I would be constantly saying, it is him, (laughs) it is Jesus, it is Christ, he's amazing, he's good, and he's glorious. Wow. That's the first of the four things that he gives us actionable, but maybe the most one that just needs to be heard and we needed to explain. The others are easier, so we'll work through them a little bit more quickly, but notice them as well. So, number one, verse 17, we are not as so many peddling the word of God. Number two, but as of sincerity. Sincerity, real, that idea of, of authentic, of who you really are in Christ. Without spending a bunch of time on it, it's an interesting word that is actually found in the same uh, kind of atmosphere as the first one. So to peddle uh, would be, you know, so it'd be used often in that culture of somebody in a market that is um, a crook. You know, they're selling you something that isn't real. Uh, they are, are, you know, marketing, you know, whatever it is, salt, and, and, and yet they're kind of mixing, you know, sand into it. Or they're marketing oil or, or wine, and they've, they've done something that it's not authentic. It's not, not, not genuine. The idea of sincere is, it is. Almost that idea that you could hold it up to scrutiny, and you could hold it up to test and say, hey, this is genuine. Like, this is the real deal. This is the real deal and it is that. Now, this is a beautiful thing, and I want to just as carefully as I can unpack it for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, it is real. If you're a follower of Jesus, it is sincere. I'm not asking you to make it sincere. It is sincere. You are the aroma of Christ to God, and there is a sense of just being what God has made that in a way that would do that. And it's one of the most beautiful things about this whole thing is that the Christian life rightly lived is not achieving or earning, but allowing what God has already done to be at work in our life. Simple deal is you have no idea. You have not even begun to understand how much God has done for you if you're a follower of Jesus. I mean, you are already a new creature in Christ. You already have a new nature. For It goes on in Ephesians. Like all of Ephesians chapter 1 talks about what's already ours. Like we are already seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Like we have already had all these things. And in one sense, he just says, hey, be what that is. Allow what that is to shine. Now, that is both helpful, but it also gives me this moment to speak it to you, because as I'm saying all of this, I know I'm talking to somebody, and you are a follower of Jesus, but somehow you just don't believe what I'm saying. You don't believe it's authentic. See, that's the funny thing about aromas, about fragrance. Sometimes we use fragrances to cover up odors, right? I mean, I'm not, not picking on anybody here this morning, so please don't, like, if you're wearing some cologne or perfume, and we're really glad you are, uh, you might be wearing it just because you like to wear it. But sometimes we wear it because we don't want you to smell us. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, does that make sense? I mean, I have to, like, expound that too much more? You probably already know this, but perfume and, and cologne found its heyday became such a big part of culture in worlds that they didn't have access to running water like you and I do. I mean, bathing and cleaning. Was, and so the way that you did that is you kind of, your body odor began to stink more and more. You put on more and more cologne and more and more perfume so that it, you didn't stink, you know, kind of deal. And, and so in, in some ways, that's kind of a, a cultural reality that we'd understand. And some of you, that's what you feel even right now. You kind of think, no, I stink. I stank and you know, so God's gotta cover it up, you know, God's gotta, you know, you know, throw something on there. So I don't smell as bad as I really do, but you don't. You don't. Who you really are in Christ, what God has done for you in Christ is beautiful. You are the aroma of Christ, and it is real. And he's not asking you to fake it, he's not asking you to pretend. He's just asking that that reality of Christ would shine in your life and, and that you just step towards that. Say, well, God, if, if that's what I am, then, then, then do that. I just, I, just, I just want that to be there, that I, I, I want it to be, you know, what that looks like in a way that is authentic. It's not faking. I'm not pretending but it's what Christ has already genuinely done. And I just want to just lean into that so that that aroma becomes uh, that which flows out, which is such a beautiful space of this, because again, it's not fake, it's not phony, it's not a cover-up, it is what Christ has done in us. Wow. So number one, don't peddle it. Number two, be sincere, do it out of sincerity. Number three there in verse 17, not only but out as of sincerity, but also as from God. We already talked about this, but it's worth just, again, noting God's the only one that can do this, and He is the one that's doing this. Paul had already asked, who is sufficient for this? And He's like, not us. <laughs> like, like, this wouldn't be me. This wouldn't be you. It's only God that's doing this. And so he says, hey, do that. Like, hey, God, just do this in me. <laughs> like, just make this more. I, I mean, this isn't something I can create. I just want it supplied. I want the sufficiency that comes from God that would cause the aroma of Christ to be even just more... Uh, just present and wafting from my heart and soul, that people would sense that, know that, but all to the final end, which he says there in verse 17, just reading it, says, we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as a sincerity, as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Be Christ glorifying. I mean, if the whole point of us Being the aroma of Christ is ultimately being pleasing to God, then that's what we should be trying to do. It's not about what everybody else thinks, it's about what God thinks. It's about being pleasing to Him. It's about this place where we gaze on it and and say, That's what I am. And maybe other people will like it, maybe they won't, but that's not my main aim. My main aim is to be pleasing to God, and I want the aroma of Christ to be there, or to kind of say it in my original words there, just stoke up that aroma of Christ. Just like, I. I want to be pleasing. Like, I, I want that, that reality of Christ in me and on me and through me to flow. I just, I just want that to be so present. You know, I think about one of the verses we talked about just a moment ago where it told us, walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So again, if you're just kind of tracking, this is what Christ did. He, out of love for us, offered himself, that's a sweet smelling sacrifice. He says, you should do the same. Walk in that same love and that sacrifice to God and that, that place that what Christ is, you you walk in, because in so many ways then we get to participate in the same deal, which is a beautiful reality where we long for Jesus to be more known in our lives. I think about all that this is and what it looks like. In fact, some of you were here Wednesday night, we were in Acts 4, and in one of my favorite verses in the book of Acts, certainly in chapter 4, uh, you know, he draws this picture out, and he gives us this place where Peter and John get arrested, and then Peter, you know, answers and explains what they did, he does so well, speaking of Christ. Then those who arrested them simply say it this way, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Like, this is a funny verse. I mean, this really is. So, like, Peter and John answer really, really well, and they're like, huh, you did better than I thought you would. I mean, I mean, you're, you're not that smart. You know, you're, you're, not that, you're not that talented. I mean, you didn't go to, where did you, I mean, huh, I mean, you're just kind of a conundrum to me because of, of what you just did. I mean, something happened that seemed better than you. I mean, it just seemed like, it it doesn't seem like it's coming from you, it doesn't, I I don't understand what that is, and so they're kind of looking at them, and I just love that, I love the whole reality, but my favorite part is what they end up saying, and they realized they had been with Jesus, wow, it's like they looked at me and go, you're just kind of a conundrum, I mean, you're just not that much, oh, I know what it is, you've been hanging around Jesus, haven't you, That's what it is. Like, you've been hanging around Jesus because that's, I mean, I don't, I mean, I I smelled something and I thought, well, that doesn't seem like you. Oh, I know who you've been hanging around. You've been hanging around. I love that reality. And yet that's everything that this is. There's everything in this space where he is longing that your life and mine would be that, where it would be this space where people would look at us and they'd go, huh, you, it just seems weird that you, you would be that hopeful. I I mean, mean, not that impressive, you know, kind of deal. It's like, oh, you've been hanging around Jesus. Oh, I get it. That's exactly that aroma. That's exactly what this is, and that's exactly what he's inviting us to. You know, I think about everything that this is, and kind of just putting it back on the screen for a moment. I mean, this is an amazing reality, and one more time, I just tell you, that's who we are. We are a fragrance to God. We are a fragrance to God of Christ, and he's doing all the time. Every time, every place, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's doing that. Life to life, to those being saying, death to death, we're not enough. He is. But man, if that's true, then man, we should step into it all the more. That's where we're going to close right now, so you can take your Bibles, your notebooks, whatever it is you have open, and uh, just inviting you in for a moment just to step into this reality of what Christ is and has done for us. And I wonder where this has found you this morning. It may, again, be that you're here this morning on the outside looking in, and it may really be that you still are listening to me, and you're like, I still don't understand anything he said, you know, i still not totally sure I understand what Jim, you're saying, but I I can smell it. I know there's something in this room that I don't have, and I just want to tell you it's Christ, And, and if that's you this morning, may the fragrance of Christ in this space draw you into surrender. May you find yourself being saved this morning, Through just the aroma of Christ in this moment and in this space, we are longing for that. And so maybe for you, in this quiet moment that we're going to give you in prayer, you'll just surrender. But many of you are followers of Jesus. And I just want to tell you, this is true. This is true of you. And there's just a sense of maybe it would be good for you to take a moment and pray for it. Just recognize it's true. And maybe it would be true that you could just even ask for it. You know, I found myself, partly because I knew I was studying it this week, sometimes just thinking about it. Uh, you know, before, you know, be getting ready to leave the house or go into a store. And I just kind of like, God, I want to smell. <laughs> I want to smell like Jesus. I want someone around me to smell Jesus. I, I, I want to do this in a way that, you know, I, I tend to think in goofy little pictures. And so I kind of have like one of those like Pepe the Pew kind of things, you know, and it's got kind of these going and there's like this scent thing. It's like, I want people to go like, what was that? I, I, I want it to be that. Maybe you just want to take a moment and ask for that. Like, God, I want want the aroma of Christ to be thick, you know, on and through my life in a way that's pleasing to God, but effective in the lives of other people. So would you take a moment, wherever that's met you this morning, would you ask God for that? I'll do the same. We'll come back and we'll close together in worship in just a moment. Jesus, I thank you so much for your triumph, for your victory that you've already won, that you've already paid the price. Thank you for what that is for us, the hope that is ours. And I thank you for the reality of what you've just told us. For those of us who are yours, who have believed upon you, we are now the fragrance of Christ everywhere, all the time. God, you're amazing. You are amazing. I pray that it is life to those who are here, that it would be speaking life and refreshing life. I pray for those who don't know you, that they'd be drawn to that and be saved. You're the only one that can do that. And nevertheless, Lord, help us to participate, not to paddle this, not to try to fake it or or, or feel like we are, but by your strength, by what you're doing to just, be, just to be that aroma of Christ. Lord, may you cause that aroma to rise abundantly, effectively. May you be honored as we just say, Jesus, it's all you. It's all you. All the glory is yours. All the honor is yours. I thank you for that, and thank you for who you are and what you have done in that. We acknowledge that together right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God meet you in that. May he draw you to all that he has in that. You have questions, we're here. Come up and, and talk to us afterwards. If you don't know Jesus, we're here. We'd love to talk to you more, but right now, let's worship. So why don't you stand? as we just glorify Jesus for who he is and and what he is in our life. As we do that, I just want to bless you in the name of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.